2023 is coming to an end. It's hard to believe. But if you're like me, there's probably some things you wish you would have taken care of this year as it relates to your finances. So on today's show, I'll give you six things that you can address during the first quarter of 2024 that'll help get your year started right. It's time for the My Retirement Clarity Podcast with Lee Perkins, financial planner and president of JL Perkins Wealth Management. Get ready for a good dose of inspiration, simplicity, implementation, and of course, clarity on how to successfully prepare for retirement and grow and preserve your wealth. Here's Ben George with Lee Perkins. Hey everybody, welcome into the My Retirement Clarity Podcast. My name is Lee Perkins and I am the owner and the lead advisor of JL Perkins Wealth Management. We are located right here in Macon, Georgia. And the whole goal for this podcast is to help you close the gap between what you know and what you implement. I've said it before on the show, we are all drowning in information, but wisdom is certainly in very short supply. So the focus of the entire team that we've put together here is to help good people make great decisions so they can enjoy an amazing retirement. So on today's show, which is going to air, I guess, a few days before Christmas, I want to give you six planning tips to address in the first quarter of the year, first quarter of 2024. I'm not saying or suggesting to make this a New Year's resolution, but I am encouraging you to sort of consider these things and address them before the end of March 2024. Uh, And if you want to really sort of move the needle in your finances, go ahead and set a goal to knock this out by the end of January. And I think you, you will be much better off than you are right now, or much better off than a lot of people are. So here we go, six things for you to address in 2024. Number one, keep the right amount of money in cash. And so it's pretty common that people in retirement sort of pile up money in either their checking or savings accounts, you know, with the intention of either spending that money or maybe investing it at some point in the future. But that money oftentimes winds up being forgotten and people just continue to add a little bit of money to it every month. And so it, it, it piles up. So eventually you wind up with a pretty substantial amount of what I call lazy money just sitting on the sidelines. And so I would say most of the people that we work with do a, a pretty good job of living on less than they make, uh, not only while they're working, but also once they retire. And I think this is almost financial planning 101, and it's something that your parents told you when you were a kid, and my parents told me when I was a kid. And so we always want to strive, strive to do this, live on less than we make. But sometimes what well, the end result of actually doing that is that money will stack up on you. And that's, that's a good thing. But before you know it, you could wind up having too much money sitting in savings. And again, let me just say, having too much money in savings is way better of a problem um, than, than not having enough money in savings. So if you don't have enough money saved up or money in savings, that can certainly lead to other problems. Uh, high interest loans, personal loans, or maybe running up credit cards. So we definitely don't want you to do that. But if you've got too much money in cash, that's not always a good thing. So I tell people that I want you to, to really have two savings accounts, two different types of savings accounts. One of them is truly for emergencies. How much money you should keep in an emergency fund, that's completely up to you. It really should be based on the complexity of your life. And so a lot of people are good with 
you know, a $10,000 emergency fund, and some people need an eighty or maybe $100,000 emergency fund. So whatever works for you, put that in an account and just leave it there. The other type of savings account that I'd like for you to have is, is what I, I call a trip or a stuff fund. And I've mentioned that on the show before. So this account, it's got a purpose. And that purpose is either for you to, to buy something for, for you to either use or whatever you want to or for an experience. And again, how much you want to keep in this account is completely up to you and it's different for different people. So sometimes the next question that people ask me is, is how should they invest this money? And at the end of the day, to me, it really doesn't matter. The purpose of this money is not to earn money. The purpose of this money is to be there when you need it. So I, I'd rather you not invest this money in the stock market. I think this should this money should be in your bank so you can walk in there at 4 o'clock on a Friday and draw out whatever you need. And so once you've got these two savings accounts fully funded, any extra money that you've got above that, you can either enhance your lifestyle or you can invest it every month or you could, you could give it away to either a charity or family member. So it's completely up to you. So that's the first thing is make sure you keep the right amount of cash on hand. And number two, all right, clean up old life insurance policies. So I meet people all the time who've got life insurance policies that are 15 or 20 years old or more. And a lot of times one of the things when they come in the office and they ask me, should I keep this policy or not? And a lot of times it is, it's tough to answer this question. But what I want to try to do is figure out, does that insurance policy still serve a purpose? Whether, it, you know, chances are the purpose has changed. Uh, it, it was probably bought at a time where you needed that for death benefit, for maybe pay off a mortgage or support kids when they were at home or whatever it is. So a lot of times those those reasons aren't really relevant anymore because the house is paid off, kids are out of the house, and, and you know they're grown, and so you don't have that, that insurable need at that point. But do you just get rid of the policy? I think it really kind of depends on your situation. If you still afford the policy, it may make sense for you to keep it. But if you've got no need for a death benefit, you could certainly get rid of it if you want. Uh, so it's completely up to you. But once you determine whether or not it makes sense for you to keep the, the policy, you can explore the option. Like if you want to keep the policy, you can explore the option of updating that policy with a newer one. Now, insurance prices have actually come down a little bit the last few years. But it certainly doesn't mean that you're going to get a policy that's going to be cheaper right now because, remember, you are 15 or 20 years younger uh, or older now than when you first got it. You were younger when you got it, so the cost of the insurance was a little bit less. But there's still a possibility that, that you could put yourself in a better position. The other thing that's happened in the last 15 or 20 years, and maybe even more recently than that, is a lot of the insurance companies now, the policies that they have, or that they offer today have something called living benefits. And this is just basically a way for you to actually use the death benefit while you're still living for things like long-term care or nursing home. And since a lot of people haven't addressed how to pay for this type of care, uh, I think this is a real opportunity for you to explore. So another thing to consider on this is if you do have a life insurance policy and it's got cash value in it and you decide to cancel that policy and just take that cash value, it's very likely you're going to be subject to taxes. So you're going to want to consult your tax professional, your CPA, before you, you cancel that policy, just to figure out what that tax burden is. 
the insurance company should also be able to tell you what your tax liability as well is. So uh, either way, they, they, they might not want to tell you that information, but they can certainly pass along the information that your CPA needs to give you the right answer. So um, I would also, while, while you're looking at insurance policies, just go ahead and make a, a point to update the beneficiaries on the, those policies. And certainly we're, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes when we get to an, another tip for 2024. All right, let's move on to number three, consolidating old 401ks. All right, so it's, it's really common for people to leave their 401k or 403b or whatever it is, leave that behind when they change, when they leave a company and go take another job. So in almost all cases, you know, you can invest that money much more efficiently and effectively by rolling it into an IRA where you can invest in whatever you want instead of just a menu of options that are made available by your company. So we see this all the time in the office, and we're actually seeing it more and more nowadays because people don't work at one job their entire lifetime anymore. Uh, it's, it's more common for people to just move jobs and switch careers way more often than they used to. So it's not uncommon for us to see people that have got four or five old retirement accounts from previous jobs. And so what happens is they get busy, life gets in the way, you know, with the other job, they establish a 401k, but they never address any of the older ones. And so I think it's a, a good thing to just simplify your life, consolidate those old accounts into one IRA that you control. Some of you, of course, may have the option of rolling that old 401k into your new 401k or your existing 401k. But this isn't really something that I usually recommend. There are instances that it does make sense, but you know, if, if you want to talk to, make sure you talk to your financial advisor before you make the the decision for you. But you know, again, for me, the whole reason to consolidate four hundred one ks is just to make your life easier. So the older I get, the easier I want things to be. And and I know many of the listeners of the show have told me that's kind of what they want as well. So if I can get one statement rather than five or six or seven or whatever it is, that sure makes my my life a whole lot easier. So go ahead, combine those accounts. It's not going to be easy. It, it is a little bit of a hassle to get that started. It's going to take a little bit of work on the front end, but once it's done, it's done. So here in our office, our team tries to make it as easy as possible for people to do that. We generally do a conference call with one of our team members, you and the 401k, 401k company to go ahead and initiate that transfer. And then once it's here, of course, we have you back in. We build out that investment strategy that's best for you. So um, anyway, that's, I, I just think a way to make your life easier is to consolidate those 401ks. Hey folks, Lee Perkins here. If you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know how much I hate taxes, and I know you probably do too. Our politicians are completely out of control. Their spending is off the chart, and you've got to be prepared for increasing taxes in the future. So we've written a book called Diffuse, Seven Steps to Protecting Your 401k or IRA from the Ticking Tax Time Bomb. You're going to want to grab a copy of this book and learn how you can protect yourself. Then you'll have to decide if you want to take action right now or if you'd rather wait until the IRS changes the rules of the game. Either way, the choice is yours. To get a free copy of the book, just text the word DEFUSE to 478-475-2050. That's D-E-F-U-S-E to 478-475-2050. And we'll send you a free copy. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. All right, number four, reconsider your managed account that has 
limited management. All right, so this is actually a pretty common one too. We see people that are paying a fee for management, but there's not a whole lot of management or financial planning being done. Um, and a lot of times they're just invested in the same mutual fund that they've been in for years and years, and they've got no communication or no relationship with the advisor on the account. So just like we see a lot of people that have got a bunch of old 401ks, we do see people who have old accounts that are not 401ks that are just sort of sitting there. And so when I ask them, you know, how this, you know, this money was invested, I'd say nine times out of 10, they really don't have any idea because they don't pay any attention to it. And so, so this is not a good thing in my opinion. I want you to be aware of all the accounts that you've got and have an idea of how they're invested. Again, I'm not saying you got to get into the weeds on how things are invested, but you do need to have a general understanding of what's going on inside of those accounts. And, you know, like the old 401k accounts, people get busy, life happens, and they just forget about them. And, and if you don't have an advisor that is proactive on the account, you may want to reach out to that advisor, have a conversation uh, about it, and they should be able to give you some um, some guidance and some information on on what you should do going forward. But if they don't, it may be time for you to explore another option. So again, that's number four. Make sure you uh, just reconsider your managed account that has limited management. Number five, check beneficiary designation. So I alluded to this one just a few minutes ago. Beneficiary designations on, on IRAs or 401ks and even life insurance policies I'll tell you, these things often go unchecked for, for years. And so we know that life changes like, like marriage or, or divorce or maybe the birth of a child or something like that. These can cause for updates uh, to accounts. And, and I think, it, you know, many times an outdated beneficiary designation just leads to unintended consequences. And I think just complication for heirs that don't need to happen. So, again, like I said, We've talked about how people forget these old accounts and, and because they're out of, out of sight, out of mind, the same thing happens with beneficiaries. So in an ideal world, we know beneficiaries that you're, it would be great if those beneficiaries that you originally listed were still accurate today, but that's usually not the case. I mean, it could be the case, maybe you were single when you opened up the account. And so maybe back then you listed your parents as your beneficiary. But we've seen people be married 15 or 20 years and they come in and, and, and now they've got a spouse and kids, but they still have their parents on, the, on their, their account. So if this is the case, then you need to go ahead and probably list, list your spouse as your primary beneficiary and maybe your kids as your, your contingent or your secondary beneficiary. Um, there's also a possibility that maybe you, you were divorced or maybe you become a widow since you first opened that account. Um, and, and if you've remarried and, and you've got an ex-spouse, chances are you like your new spouse and you, you divorce that old spouse because you didn't like them anymore. But if you didn't change that beneficiary, when you die, that old spouse is going to get the money that's in that account. Uh, and I know that's not what you want, but, it's, but that's what's going to happen because it's what's on the beneficiary form. So I would encourage every listener to this show to make it at least an annual habit to check beneficiaries on all your accounts, at least, you know, like I say, at least once a year. Don't make things awkward for your survivors when you pass away, and, and don't put your current spouse in, in a bad, bad spot because your ex is going to get what the, the new spouse 
should should have probably gotten. So anyway, this is one of those things that's too easy for you to take care of for it to go ignored. All right, and number six, this will be the final tip for the first quarter of 2024. Automate your savings. So earlier I talked about, I guess this was in number one, I talked about the people who save a lot of money every month and they, they don't know what to do with it. Or maybe they just forget about it and it winds up piling up in an account with no purpose. So that's certainly one set of people. There's another set of people who intend to save regularly, but they fail to do so because it's, it's not automated. So setting up automated transfers to a savings account or an investment account, that can ensure that you're saving consistently. It's really just a, a very small change, requires, I think, minimal effort, but it can lead to significant accumulation of money over time. And so this is, for me, it's a really important one, not only for people that are still working, but also for people that are that are already retired. And so we, we've done the research here at the office, and we've got as many people listening to this show who are working as those who are already retired. So I think this tip really applies to everybody. Simply take that time to automate your savings. It's one of the best things that you can do to increase your net worth. And, and like my old buddy Dave Ramsey says, Tell your money where to go rather than wondering where it went. And so what I mean by this, if you're still working, it, it's critical that you automate your savings by having some type of allotment come out of your paycheck every single month to go towards savings. Everybody, of course, knows about 401k contributions and how these are automatically deducted from your paycheck. But I'm, I'm going one step beyond that and telling you to automate some savings in addition to the retirement into either your emergency fund or your trip fund that I referenced earlier. This way, it just happens, and you don't have to do anything to make it happen. And, and the best part of this means that you can't forget to do it if it's automatically going to happen every month. So I always say, if you had to write a check every month uh, to yourself to go into a, a savings account, chances are you're not going to do it. I know I wouldn't because I've tried to do that before, and, and it doesn't happen. Um, so let me talk briefly. We'll kind of wrap this up, 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 up on folks who are already retired. So this automation of savings is not as quite as easy to do when you're retired, um, especially when you first start out. But after you've been retired for, for a little while and you know your cash flow positive every month and you've got an extra $500 or, or $1,000 a month left in your account, um, set up an automatic transfer from that checking account to your savings account at the end of the month for that 500 or 1000 or whatever you're comfortable with. This way the money gets saved and not spent. Because if you're like me, if there's money left in your checking account, man, it just sort of disappears. And I don't know why that is, but, but it happens. Uh, and I know a lot of people can relate to that. So this way you automate th that savings and eventually those accounts are gonna be filled up to whatever level that you want them to. Your emergency fund's gonna be fully funded. And then once that trip or that stuff fund gets to where you want it to be, then you can get, go on a trip or go go buy yourself something that brings you brings you joy. Or if there's nothing that you want um, that you want to buy for yourself, go buy somebody else something. Spend the money on your kids or your grandkids. Give that money to them with a warm hand rather than a cold hand. Meaning, give it to them while you're alive, uh, so you can see them enjoy it. So. Anyway, that's it for today. I hope this has been helpful for you. And uh, remember, my, my goal for this show, like I said at the beginning, is to help you close the gap between what you know and what you implement. Hope you have a great week, and we will catch you next time. 
Hey there, Lee Perkins here. If you're like a lot of folks, you've been listening to this podcast for a long time now, but I've got an important question for you. Have you implemented any of the ideas that we've discussed on the show? If you haven't, what are you waiting on? You know you're not getting any younger. So here's my challenge. Don't just consume the content. Our number one goal for this podcast is to help you close the gap between what you know and what you implement. So if you're ready to implement, take that first step today and visit www.talkwithjlp.com and schedule a 15-minute phone call with one of our advisors and we'll help you close the gap between what you know and what you implement so you can enjoy the next phase of your life. Now is your time. Don't procrastinate any longer. Investment advisory services are offered by J.L. Perkins Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor and insurance agency. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified tax, legal, or investment professional before taking any action.